This week's podcast is sponsored by His Glorious Draconic Majesty Cordis, the Almighty, the Ever-Living Flame, Destroyer of Life, Scourge of the Northern Reaches and the Southern Reaches and the Reaches in Between, Burner of the Unburnt and Killer of Bunnies. Did, did I read that right? All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is... Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it's an absolute paroxysmal pleasure to be here. Um, and wait, a third player has arrived. <gasps> a guest. A guest. It cannot be. <laughs> I, can. yeah, I guess it can. Um, I believe this is is, is, that, is that Mike Myler, I see. Uh, so this is this is Mike's second appearance on the podcast. And uh, what, are you, what are you here to talk about this week, Mike? Uh, RPGs, but also vast caveat. Yes, and we'll choice. get into that a little bit later. But that's your it's your upcoming D and D fifth edition setting, which is going to be crowdfunding very soon. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. How exciting! Yes, lovely. Right, let's get on with some RPG news, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. First thing in the actual RPG news. Yes. Yes. Metal Weave Games yes. getting the license to Hyper Light Drifter. Oh yes, yes, that's a game on um, on Steam. I think it's like a two D action adventure. So they've got the license to produce a tabletop role playing game from a computer role playing game. Oh, Metal Weave's great. Uh, Andreas Walters is great. Um, I saw Ooh. that he's probably going to pull through. It was a little chancy at the, the beginning there, but I think he's going to be all right. Okay. What? I don't even know what that means. Oh, so his Kickstarter launched and it did not do as well as his Kickstarters normally do, and he kind of, kind of, I don't want to say panicked, but like his his output of marketing and stuff went up a lot. Oh, right, uh, okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think he's going to end up funding, but like if, when he it's when, he, be when quite the project close. first, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, they, uh, do you have you played Hyperlife Hyper Light Drifter? No, 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 I have not. Okay. Looks neat, though. So they've released some uh, playtest basic rules. Right. And uh, it's like 50 pages, PDF, obviously. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, it has, like, character creation and combat rules and stuff. And you can you can make, like, a, a bird folk wielder or, a, a, it says here, a lizard folk versifier. Well, that's us told. I do like to be a versifier. Yes. Um, yeah, and it kind of invokes the, uh, the sort of slightly pixelated... Old style video game art style. I think you're trying to say eight bit and sixteen bit there, aren't you? That's it. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a bit ret- retro looking, um, and Ooh. I think I think they're doing a Kickstarter actually. Yeah. 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 They've got a Kickstarter running. Huh. Apparently, uh, its lead developer describes Hyperlight Drifter has a combination of, and I quote, "The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past" and Diablo. Yeah. Well, uh, in Drifter, you play as a drifter. Yes. One who ventures outside so the sort safety of, of the sanctuaries in search of technology and answers. Right. Sounds good to me. Productive. You could be a raven wielder or a hound warrior or, can or a jaw- raccoon versifier. Well, you can't make raccoons worse than they already are. Raccoons are pretty versatile. They are. Uh, but I'd like to be a jaw wielding raven wielder. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
when I woke up this morning, that's not what I expected to happen. <laughs> well, you know, the listeners can't see, but you did actually flap your arms around. Hey, you got to do your drum, best drum rolling impression when you're wielding. Otherwise, it just doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks. For that. <laughs> hey, you're very welcome. Would you like to hear about a wrestler? The wrestler guy, right? Yeah. Is it RPG related? Yes. Then yes, I would. Okay, so there's this wrestler, right? And he posted on Twitter that he uh, doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons. Many people don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's called Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, how fortunate for him! And he tweeted this picture of himself in a tank top, um, big muscly picture of himself. So and then his the genius fashion choices. What of it? The caption is. <laughs> I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. I don't do then, professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they sell the about it. Well, half the internet exploded, as as the internet is wont to do. And then Joe Manganiello... Joe Mang... Joe? <laughs> Our friend Joe. We're on such good terms with him now that we no longer mangle his last name. <laughs> Joe Manganiello. his last name. Um, he tweets... Yes. He responds. He tweets... I do, and you put and you post this uh, muscle and fitness magazine cover of him shirtless. Okay, like looking equally muscly and sort of, you know, six packy. Oh, okay. Just kind of glaring down at the ca- at the camera. Oh, is this sort of a jocks versus nerds sort of thing? Right, oh, I suppose. That's so like nineteen ninety eight. Well, but it turns out really. So what what it was was yeah. uh, this wrestler. Yes. His upcoming opponent... Is, is he a big fan of... Is, is a big fan of D&D. Oh, I see. And yeah. so um, and wrestlers do all this smack talk stuff, don't they? Yes. And you've got faces and heels or something. And this yeah. guy's the heel, and he's smack talking the guy who likes D&D. Right. So he's, he's kind of in character, really. He's not... Oh, I see. Right. But most of the internet didn't get that. No, no. It seems reasonable. <laughs> Taken in isolation, it's like, I don't like play, I don't play D&D. Good for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Are you more of a vampire man? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it turns out. He's, <laughs> he's, he's well into the world of darkness. Absolutely. Like, at the weekends, he does proper vampire LARP and everything. And yeah. um, plays um, Count Alessandro de Urbane um, and has like a long, frilly blonde wig and like a, a, a hat. And, of course, the big cape as well. Because you're not yeah. properly vampiring unless you've got the cape. Would you instead like to talk about 216,000 D6s being spilled onto an Atlanta highway? What, was somebody on their way to a game of Fifth Day Chalibran and their dice bag <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, So it was a shipment of Chessex dice Ooh. on a truck. And good dice. And there was this minor accident and uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dice to spill all over this highway, they're all D6s. Oh, thank God. As long as you weren't D4s, otherwise someone could have died. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. Cow drops. All these tyres exploding. <laughs> ah, look at humanity. <laughs> it, is, it, is quite, it is quite funny, actually. I wonder, I wonder what they rolled. According to this headline, they rolled 756,000, but I'm, I'm guessing they made that up. They made that up. I don't think they counted um, those numbers properly at all. So, so, uh, uh, Atlanta's Highway Emergency Response Operator Units had to help clean up the mess using brooms and shovels to salvage what they could. 
Oh, poor Chessex. I hope they're not adversely affected by the loss of their shipment. No, no. I'm sure Chessex is fine. I bet they they insured that. They're, they're all good. That's good. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, sorry. Was I supposed to take this to place for me? Well, it's two hundred thousand dice. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? The truck was undamaged. Yeah. And no one was injured. So that's always good. Right. Uh, are you guys familiar with Mad Magazine? Yeah. Oh, um, I love Mad Magazine. That was something old people used to read, wasn't it? Well, I've heard of it, but I've never actually seen or read it myself. Robert Crumb or something? It's like got lots of very strange illustrations and uh, like like to go for a sort of a shock level of content, as I recall. Um, I haven't read it myself, to be fair, so, yeah, I'll press say. Yeah, tell us hmm. more. Uh, well, uh, they have an upcoming feature called the Dopiest Demons of D&D. Oh. Which is, uh, I don't know much about it. There's a, over on D&D Beyond, there's a preview of it, and you can see this big cartoony look with a bunch of silly-looking demons, and the, and the writer says it's, uh, that these demons are not actually in Dungeons & Dragons, because Mad Magazine is not the most reliable of news sources. Instead, demons that would be the dopiest if some player were foolish enough to will them into existence. So I'm guessing what we're talking is a bunch of comedy demons that aren't actually in D&D. Maybe. Okay. I mean, the mad people, sometimes they go completely off the off the page, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a little clip here. There's a Kachevin. Kachevin is like that guy Kevin in your D&D group who doesn't get along with your dungeon master. Kachevin says everything Kevin says, but in a whiny, sarcastic voice. Loves bringing only enough pizza for himself and Ah. texting his significant other during important combat. Come on, Kachevin. And more stuff like that. I see. (laughs) I can see you're not sold. Yeah, no, no, this is my impressed face. Surely you can see it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's Heckfeller. After failing two attempts oh. at a movie franchise, Hellboy's intellectual property was sold hey. and rebranded to help launch a new kid's line of adventures. Cannot cause damage or be killed. Carries a pet goldfish named Abe. That's really harsh. Hellboy's really good. <laughs> I, like, I, I like all the Hellboy movies. So, well, I haven't, I haven't that, seen the latest one. Yeah, that's right. I liked it. He didn't, he didn't have Ron Pullman, so I wasn't expecting to like it, but actually I found it was quite fun. Okay. Yeah. I, was. I, quite, I quite liked the first one. The second one was a bit weak. Haven't seen the latest. Yeah. It's like Luke Goss can only carry a film so far. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, what else have we got in the news? We have got the Cortex RPG rule system has been purchased from Margaret Weiss Productions right. by Fandom. Okay. I think Fandom, isn't that a wiki hosting company? Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's like a wiki hosting company stroke entertainment website type thing. And they've uh, acquired the Cortex RPG rule system. Oh, Fandom is a wiki hosting service in the domain operated by Wikia, which is uh, one that uh, Wikipedia is associated with. Jimmy Wells and Angela Beasley. Okay. So that's interesting. Well, they've also hired Cam Banks, who was the lead designer of the system. Oh, makes sense. And then uh, that system was used for uh, like uh, the Marvel game, the Firefly game, Battlestar Galactica, 
Supernatural. There's a, there's a Smallville one as well, I think. It's a whole bunch of licensed properties. Oh, mate, guys, I tell you what, they have a there's a website, fandom.com. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. Ah, they don't, they, well, obviously they don't have anything to do with RPGs. They, oh, they interesting. Do, so Fandom acquired Curse. Yeah. And Curse owns D&D Beyond. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bum, bum, so bum. Curse used to be owned by Twitch, and yep. Fandom acquired it from them. So it seems like Fandom oh. is purchasing a whole bunch of different um, RPG properties. Oh. Some nefarious plan going on here. What's going on here? Oh, they're up to something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, well, this basically puts fandom in the print RPG business, doesn't it? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially with Cypher. Well, it says says here in this press release, uh, not only will they be publishing the Cortex Prime books, Uh they also plan to produce licensed games based on entertainment properties. That's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, what are they licensing? Because they... I mean, they got wikis for everything. They definitely don't have licenses for all their wikis. You don't need one. I don't know what they pay for. Uh, How mysterious. I guess we'll find uh, out soon enough. I guess they got a lot of subject knowledge. Well, like, what was it? Last week, uh, Carnival Row had a RPG release at the same time as the, Mm. essentially, has the series. So maybe that's like a thing. It's like, get rules like came out there. Fandom, so it owns its own RPG system. It owns Uh D&D Beyond. Yes. And it owns a wiki hosting platform. Well, I would think the D&D Beyond part is they're going to take all the D&D Beyond infrastructure and lay it on another RPG to it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, it's not, 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 not a bad shout. Um, I mean, the Cypher yeah. system, which I haven't played, but as I understand it, it's, it's pretty pretty light and easy to use. Does Cortex use system. The system. Cortex system. Oh, sorry, my mm. bad. I thought you said Cypher. Entirely earlier. different game. Entirely different yeah, oh, no, yeah, Cortex uh, yeah, is cor- closer to Tri-X, Tri-DX, right? Wasn't it like more number-heavy, crunchy? Oh, yeah, it's, it's more crunchy than... Um, it's, it's still you know, medium-light-ish, but it's, yeah, it's more crunchy than, um, than the Cypher system. we got a couple of Pathfinder bits. Yes, yes, tell me more. Uh, so Paizo have previewed two different organisations from their Lost Omens character guide. Uh, yes. So these are the Firebrands and... The Hell Knights. They sound very similar. But I'm sure they're entirely, entirely, entirely different. Well, the Hell Knights, I know, are an old favourite. They, they really yeah. put a lot of into the Hell Knights in the first time around. Are Firebrands revolutionaries? Well, the Firebrands are... Let's have a look. Um, who are the Firebrands? Some say they are rebels and rebel rousers who travel the inner sea region to fight tyranny and help the oppressed. There we yeah. go. They're Good the 18. Yeah. Yeah, if you can uh, find them. Others, others say they are just grandstanders with a penchant for fashion and drawing attention to themselves. Ooh, fashionable demagogues. There's, there's a picture of a nice lady with a pirate hat and a pistol and a rapier and a, a small halfling type with blue hair and and a green lady with a thing on a chain on a spike. <laughs> a thing on a chain on a spike. Over us with those words, you paint such a, 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 such a picture. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not perhaps the picture you tend to create. It's like um, it's like a rope, and on the end right. of the rope, there's this like one, two, three, four, five spiked thing sticking out, and then you can swing the rope round. It's like a grapple, but it looks more weapony. So it's sort of like a mason chain, but it's on a rope. I guess, yeah. Mm. 
I suppose. Yeah. Or maybe it is a grapple. It's just a slightly oh. odd-looking grapple. I don't know. How am I supposed to know? Because uh, you're looking uh, at the picture. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture, yeah. All right. <laughs> Fine. Uh, uh, anyway, about that, the Hell Knights, Mike? That was, yeah, that was the Firebrands. Yeah, yeah this, the Hell Knights. Do you know about the Hell Knights, Mike? Uh, they're, they're Knights for Hell. And I assume Cheliax. If I, actually, no, it's definitely Cheliax. Because I remember they were a, a big part of that one adventure path that's set in Cheliax. Let's have a look. Hell Knights Cheliax. Yeah, Cheliax is there like, Asmodeus is not yes. that bad a guy, country. Yeah, so <laughs> they're an organization, much of which is located in Cheliax, yeah. and it's dedicated to enforcing law and upholding order, and they believe the letter of the law is absolute. Yes, so they're basically super lawful neutral, I suppose, then, I guess. Yeah. And then we've got a picture, we've got a picture of, well, they look quite evil, if they're... That's where, where all the best GMs come from. Well, there's a picture yeah. of this kind of like guy with a purple helmet and ragged purple robes and a big whip. Is it a mighty warrior with a purple helmet? Or, or it might be a chain, but I think, I think it's a whip. Yeah. And they, they follow a set of laws and virtues known as the measure and the chain. All right then. And then we've got this other guy who's in Scott, really, really bizarre looking spiky armour, and he's got a sword. And on the end of the sword, there's a short chain hanging off it, and then there's like a mace head on the end of the short chain. So it's taking the best parts of a sword and a mace, combining them together, producing an entirely usable weapon. <laughs> an interesting choice. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I'm just saying, um, if you, if you unless, put like unless a some kind of weird perspective your... trick, and it's not actually attached to that, but I think it is. If you put a base or a chain on the yeah, end of your sword, the balance will be all over the shot, man. <laughs> I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with you. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's the two organisations that Paizo has just previewed, and each of these organisations, you get like uh, special um, feats. Ooh. And yeah, yeah that, ah. that's pretty much going to be the thing. Hopefully, mm. there won't be any feet chains. Hopefully, they'll keep the uh, the beauty of Pathfinder Two, which is that there's a uh, very little difference between the bottom of the skill and the top of the skill. So it's like it's basically whatever you make will work. So yeah, fingers mm. crossed, eh? There's one more bit of um, Pathfinder news: <sighs> critical hit deck. Ooh, you sound excited, Mike. Mm. Yeah, no, I have the critical hit decks from the original Pathfinder, and they're pretty sweet. I assume it's pretty much similar. So when you get a critical hit, uh, you draw a card from the deck and apply the effect appropriate to that attack's type. Do, do they, are they not doing the critical fumble deck, too? or I think they have done, or are doing, oh, okay. yeah, but this, yeah. Is, this is what they're previewing. So we've got uh, effects like My Teeth. Uh, the target must succeed at a DC5 flat check to cast spells with the verbal component until healed. All right, then. Carve your initials. The Zorro move. Normal damage. The target is so humiliated it can do nothing but attack you. At the end of its turns, it can attempt a will save to end this effect. That's a and new one. I like that one. Other stuff like that. I mean, some of them are a little less interesting, like triple damage or... Hey. Or, you know, the target is second three or stuff like that. But there are some more, like, you know, colourful ones in there. Uh, root role-playing game? Yes, we should talk about that. That's doing really, really well. Big old Kickstarter that after three days has done already 
225,000 pounds or 281,000 US dollars of a goal of 10,000 US dollars. I, I can't say that's kind of ludicrous. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's a, that's and they've still got 27 days to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, indeed. Well, you might whistle, yeah. sir. Well, you might whistle. Oh, uh, it's just gone off again. Somebody's backed it. Uh, I presume Mike. So, so um, Mike, have you played Root the board game? I have not. No, I'm not really a board game guy. A game of woodland creatures. Yes, yes. Um, I have. No, so none of us have ever actually played Root. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, however, have heard of it. <laughs> but it is, however, a popular board game. <laughs> yes, a very popular board game. It's won yes. awards for something. Yes. Uh, possibly being a very good board game. Because uh, it's asymmetric in its nature, yeah. which means that you have, I think there's like four different factions. There's uh, cats that are trying to like rock around the place and be a problem. There are, I think it's squirrels. They're they're basically arms dealers and they're shipping weapons to the various sides. And then you've got like some other small woodland creatures who formed a tiny alliance who are trying to kick the cats out. I think the ravens are in there doing something, but I couldn't mm. tell you what it was. Well, the RPG is yeah. a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Of course it is. Lots of playbooks for days. Yeah, it's, it's an easy system to to wedge stuff into. Do anything with Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting I mean, to see how high this on. goes. I guess this has a chance of hitting a million then. Oof. Uh, this stage are they a full week? They're not even a full weekend. Yeah, they got a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that'd be pretty impressive. Yeah. That'll be if it does hit a million. That'll make it the third biggest. So I think we've got Matt Colville did two point three million or something. John Wick did. 1.2, 1.3 million, something oh, like that. Oh, okay. So their last Kickstarter for the board game made 631 American thousand. That's a lot. For the, for the board game? For the board game, yeah. yeah they hit two-thirds of a million for the board game. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. So, well, board games uh, generally do better than role-playing games, don't they? Yeah, so, no. It looks like this might do better than the board game, though. Yeah, which that'd is, be weird. But okay. I'm, I'm down with that trend, dude. Let's do more wow. of that. Yeah, sure. All right, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd give it a go. I mean, it's powered by the apocalypse, so you, and I think with that you have to really know the story that the game wants you to tell because it's mm. designed very specifically to tell certain stories, uh, which yeah. apparently includes stuff like um, so. Yeah. Right. Should we delve into a little bit of D and D before we uh, finish the news? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I do. So, I do notice Root specific calls out Redwall, which would be the Brian Jack series. Wall ship down which is the source of many childhood traumas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mouse Guard, which I believe is actually a role-playing game itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, also yeah. The Warriors, which I presume is not the um, 1970s film of New York gang warfare, which uh, played upon the Odyssey, and, quote, The Guardians of Gahul, unquote. Which oh, that was the weird owl... Uh, they, they, they had a bunch of movies at, at a poor... I remember it was very poorly timed. Right. I don't remember anything else about the movies aside from they were poorly timed and they were like gold masks for the owls or some shit like that. They were poorly timed, as in... what? They were as in their at? releases just were at a bad moment and they were competing against films that just crashed them. Oh, like they decided, hey, you know what we need? We need guys to go who? And there's some film coming out called Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like what? that. What could go wrong? Oh, that could go wrong. Yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, hey, Russ, you said you had some D&D for us to talk about. I did. I got some D&D stuff. I got two D&D things. 
Two D things. Three D and D things. So we've got the announcement. The trailer for the announcement. <laughs> and the teaser for the trailer for the announcement. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> so the first D&D thing is I just got a message from those guys who were doing that Solasta video game. And what Ooh. we talked about with the verticality. Oh, and yeah, yeah, that yeah. That looks quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He just sent me a quick message. He's just saying um, we were recently granted a license by Wizards to use oh. the D&D SRD 5.1 rule set in Solasta. Wait, I'm what? not sure what that means because the SRD is an open source. It's open, yeah. yeah, it's open gaming content, open license, so they yeah. don't need permission. But I guess. But I remember the third one. The three OGL had a specific clause in it saying you can't make a video game with this. I don't think hmm. it did. Uh, well, three point, there's only one OGL. There wasn't a three point OGL under. Yeah. There's never been more than one OGL. But it's cool that they got the. But anyway, yeah, it, I, guess, yeah. I guess it was more just a peace of mind thing. Yes, yeah. I'm just um, more kind of getting their blessing as opposed to, you know. Because I guess with that sort of thing, if you make a mistake, then obviously um, Wizards is going to come down on you. And when you're making a video game, it's a lot more complex than making a, a rule book. So I, I wonder if it was just so they had more peace of mind, just so they knew perfectly well that Wizards of the Coast were aware of them and were fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to get permission so forth. Yeah, yeah. Even if yeah. you don't need it, yeah. Um, what else do we have? We also have, right, uh, a new an Arcana. There was one like two weeks ago. Yes. And there's another was... one. We went, we went like um... six months without one, and we've had about three in the last month, I think. Well, they said they were switching away from doing it on a, was it weekly, monthly basis? Mm-hmm. To just release it when it was ready. So yeah. there you go. Well, I this guess one... they're ready. Yeah. Well, yes. this one has a new Bardic College the College of Eloquence, and a new sacred oath for the Paladin, uh, the Oath of Heroism. Alrighty. <laughs> you look excited. Yeah, well, it's like eloquence, heroism. It's like bards being eloquent is like A thing stick. that they do, yeah. 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 It's like paladins special being quality. heroic, no. What? Get out of here with your crazy What talk. madness is this? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it does it. Just from the names, it doesn't sound like they're pushing the boat out, so it doesn't make me excited. Is there something I should be excited about, Russ? Uh, if you're excited about D&D subclasses, yes. If you're not, then no, I guess. I, I, I'm question. often known to be excited about D&D subclasses. Uh, do, you, do you have any more details? Uh, I could open up the PDF and read it to you if you'd like, or... Well, that sounds exciting. <laughs> perhaps, we should save that. perhaps we should save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. But save it as a bedtime story, perhaps. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? When I, when, when, I, when I tuck you in at night. I found out what I was thinking of. There is a, there is a thing they talk about computer languages inside of the, the legal information of the ESRD. Um, oh, okay. I don't know. I looked at the newest Senator's Arcana, and I wasn't, like, I wasn't... I wasn't inspired like, or anything. Like, I've already yeah. created stuff that kind of already does what the, those things do. Yeah. Okay. The further you are into the third-party market, the less interesting Unearth Arcana gets. Yeah. Well, enough. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. really argue with that yeah. at all. <laughs> Especially given Seems the fact to. that we publish things similar to that every week, but exactly. generally with higher production values and not with playtest material. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 You hear that, Wizards? The <laughs> <laughs> world's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not quite how I meant. 
Deary me. We digress. Anyway, yes. uh, there is a Avernus DM screen, was the other bit of information, was the Ooh. other thing I was going to say. Yes. Which isn't entirely surprising, because they do one with every adventure. I do like the look of this one, though. Mm-hmm. Some, some of them look better and some look worse than others, I think. This one, um, on the inside, it's got that map of, um, you know, that big map of Avernus. Oh, yes, yes, the uh, uh, conceptual map. Yeah. Jared Lando. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we got um, stats for things like the war machines and various different um, different uh, creatures. It's quite small. I can't quite make out everything on it. Let's have a look. We've oh, got, is this uh, like a quadruple? We've got a, list of the, we've got a list of the nine hells. I can see the title. I can't actually read the words underneath it. But And then a section on infernal contracts and then 99 devil names. 99 devil names. 99 devil names. No, not red balloons. Those are different things. <laughs> yes. yes. I have 99 devil names and Peter's not one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> God, that was so oh, dear. Oh. Yes, Look, if you've got devil name problems, I feel bad for you saying, I've got 99 problems, but devil name's not one. Is what you should be saying. But it's not what I said. I made a much better joke than that. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> anyone tell you differently? Uh, yes, for those of you who are interested in what the screen actually looks like, we have essentially a very large plane, and there are two armies of roving gargoyles on either side, pounding towards each other as explosions yeah, so occur. That, that big picture reminds me of a Star Wars scene. Um. Yeah, it looks like it's got some laser bolts flying backwards and forwards, and I don't know. I can totally see that picture as being like you know that big fight at the end of Attack of the Clones, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's like bolts of energy flying around hmm. whilst you're on, or two sides like, charge at each other, which is basically how all Star Wars battles work. Yeah, yeah. Nobody like, ever um, tries to flank anybody or try any type of tactic whatsoever. They just, <laughs> <laughs> they just go yeah. right in front of each other and fight. Yeah, just rush towards each other in this in a disorganised line. I mean, mm. let's face it, you might you might just be better off just forming a musket line. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but at least those yeah. stormtroopers wear that really really good armour that protects them from injuries and from attacks from the opposing side. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not like it could be taken down by any sort of like fluffy woofy t- teddy bear <laughs> with a flint spear yeah, or a stick. stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, the teddy bears are coming for us. They have sticks. They have sticks. Why weren't we prepared for this? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. no, I think we're probably done in the news now. Right. I think we are now finally done with the news. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. You know what time it is, though? Uh, I make it about 3.20. Yes, and that is the time when we play our favourite game in all the world. Our favourite game in all the world? Mm. Our favourite game, the game we like best ever. Yes, that game. Oh, okay. But I get to be the top hat. You've made that joke so many times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Are, are you guys ready for this? I am prepared, yes. Are you oh, ready, well. Peter? Let take, us commence. Take, take the position. Just out of curiosity, what, <laughs> if us, what if one of us was not prepared? Uh, I guess they'd lose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
just automatically lose? Like, no, I gotta go to the bathroom. You lost. Being unprepared <laughs> makes very little difference. <laughs> yes, it wouldn't affect anything, would it? <laughs> it's not going to affect the scores. All right, do you want to start, Peter? Very well. I shall commence. Okay, number one. That's what is that's Glitter Hearts? <laughs> that's an easy one. It's not fair. I don't even know what I'm going to get, but it's not fair that he got that one. Glitter Hearts. Glitter Hearts. So we're saying this is definitely an RPG and not a line of toys being sold to young female children in the 1980s. Just checking. Um, I didn't say okay. that, but I'll, I'll say that if you wish, if that will give you more comfort. Okay. No. <laughs> yes, it's glitter an RPG. Yes. Huzzah! Okay. So, Glitter Hearts. Um... I think Glitter Hearts is um, a game aimed at children of all types who would like to play RPGs. Uh, so, like, sort of, and it will have exciting themes involving adventure, potentially some action, maybe even mild peril. Um, the key people that will play it will be. Um, is I, I I'm I'm presuming from the name that it's a queer friendly RPG, um, and all your protagonists all like basically have hearts that are full of glitter, but the this this will very rarely be relevant because no one's ever going to pull out all the hearts and make it explode all over the place hmm. unless your DM's gone very badly wrong. That's my best shot at it. Uh, oh oh, and also it is powered by the apocalypse. It is powered by the apocalypse. <laughs> wow. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think you've just scored yourself like 11 out of 10 there. Victory! That's amazing. So it's uh, based on things like um, Sailor Moon and Power Rangers, and it's basically a Magical Girls RPG with a bit of anime and sort of teamwork Mm-hmm. And magical heroes and nice. stuff like that. Presumably aimed more at kids, I guess, it looks like. So I think that's pretty much what you said, isn't it? I guess, yeah. 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 Well done. Yeah. You are to be did commended, you, sir. Did, 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 you, did you know that one, Mike, already? Or did you just think uh, it was upside down? I had seen a tweet about it, but I mean, as soon as I saw the name, I was like, oh, it's Magical Girls RPG. Oh, okay, well. You I'm walked lucky. by the apple tree and slammed your face into an apple. That was... Ah. Watch, I'm going to get the most obscure. Go for it. What, what, oh. do, I, what do I got? I have is it a number? No it's just going to be a number. It, Mike, it's considered bad form to make excuses for your terrible guesswork <laughs> and to laughter. You've heard the title of the, po- t- title of the Kickstarter. If you do it before, it, it, it just sounds <laughs> a <right>. gentleman. <laughs> I, I, are, you, are you ready, Mike? Bring it. Let's do it. What is... Ooh. Okay. Hang on, I'm just reading it first. <laughs> okay, first thing there was like, did, did he say it? And I just like no, walked no, no. it out of my memory. Like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, um, yeah, okay. Uh, what Someone is uh, Niobe Returns in She Is Death and the Untamed? Isn't that the comic book for Swordsfall? Yes. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what that one is. <laughs> I actually know that one is, yeah. Uh yeah. Swordfall is an Afro-centric you know, RPG. Uh, Afropunk, yeah. I think they call it. Oh, right? nice. Sold and Sorcery, eh? 
Um, not so much. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say. I, I, I wouldn't want to be wrong. Yeah. my friend. Well, since you actually know what that one is, let's move on to another one because uh, uh, this one instead. Then, Mike, you ready? Mm-hmm. What is D twenty N N? D two O N N. Uh, it's a game where you play as teenage girls who have magical powers. Playing <laughs> <and laughs> <I am> this. <laughs> um, no, so D twenty and N. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, mm, tabletop magazine. Is it tabletop magazine? Uh, sort of. Yeah, it's a yes. tabletop. It's a news network show. Oh. Uh, okay. A news program about events going on in your tabletop game world, plus real-world interviews with tabletop RPG creators, big and small. Wow! So we maybe just be too hard on ourselves here because these are actually extremely well named for what they are. Because I don't, I can't it's imagine what a uh, it's got RPG five days to go. Game would be. It, yeah, it's just funded. It had a two thousand dollar goal. It's got two thousand and thirteen dollars. So it must have literally just funded, and it's got five days to go. Right, okay. So, Peter, back to you. Yes, let's do it. Okay. Barbarians of the Ruined Earth. I wonder if this is in some fashion a sequel using the Barbarians of Lemuria system. And this would not be Barbarians of the Apocalypse, because that's already been a game for several years. So, Barbarians of the Ruined Earth would be, say, using the Barbarian system, and perhaps it's looking at a Numenera-style take on uh, like the whole Barbarians of Lemuria uh, mythos, where it's a far-flung future, where there's a mix of magic and technology, all bouncing around off each other, or magic that's indistinguishable from technology, and technology that's indistinguishable from magic. Hmm. Um, how's that? Uh, not bad, not bad. You got the system yes. wrong, but everything else is pretty much right. It's a fantasy okay. post-apocalyptic RPG uh, inspired yep. by Thundar the Barbarian. Okay. And it uses Thundar. the Black Hack as its system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's um, hack of, oof, I think, basic BX or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's an OSR. Yeah, OSR hack, mod. Hack of one of the, one of the early D&D editions. Uh, so Ooh. in that case, yeah, you've pretty much got everything but the system. So I reckon that's 75% there. Not bad. Woo-hoo. Not a bad score. 75% plus 11 means you're on 86. Yeah. That totally makes that's sense. That's what Stretchy says. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Not a good question. That really, really makes sense. Really. Time uh, to judge Dread RPG, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, one more, one more for Mike, and then we can start talking about your campaign setting, Mike. Uh, oh, Mike, you can do it. Thank you for the encouraging words, Peter. <laughs> oh, I like to encourage people. That's why I might not come back. Okay, all right then. What is retired? Retired. Um. Um, I'm going to go with a downtime game where you play out the lives of retired adventurers as they, like, move into old age and senility and all that fun, fun stuff. Uh, preferably in a retirement village 
where there are also retired monsters. Hmm. Uh, I reckon you've got about 50-50 there. It is, sort of, but it's about retired superheroes. Uh, 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 Supervillains, in fact. Uh, A story game about the ordinary life of a former supervillain. Oh, I'd have gone completely wrong there. I'd have done with something like Blade Runner. Hmm. Oh, yeah, where you get retired. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Or spies. It's a two-player game. One is the retiree, and the other is the narrator, uh, of a world dead set on annoying a former supervillain trying to enjoy a return to regular life. I think that was just the original Tick series, wasn't it? I haven't seen it. Like the live-action one? It's great. It's great. All right, I think I think we have finished our favorite game in all the world for the week. Oh, I think we have to declare Peter as the winner. Yeah, much to my, much to my regret. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Mike. Thank you for much. Thank you for much doing as that. I hate doing that. Yeah, but sometimes you just nail it. Ah, another fine day of torment here on the first layer of hell. It's a good time to be a devil. Actually, my friend, I'm afraid we have to go to work. Work? What? I haven't been to work in at least six millennia. I'm afraid so. They've just released a new adventure about descending into Avernus, and we're all over it. Really? Didn't they recently do one with Orcus and Demogorgon? No, that was totally different. It was them demons, not us devils. And it was out. Of the abyss, not into Avernus. Eh, it's all lower plane stuff around here. But can't they just get Tiamat to do it? Oh, she had her turn about five years back. A big two-part adventure. Ah, oh, oh, well, okay. Oh, what about that Strahd fella? The vampire with the slick back hair and the angsty backstory. He's always good as a bad guy. Three years ago, he had a whole adventure to himself. Well, that's unfortunate. Storm Giants, then. April 2016. Uh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> get what I did there. It's not much of an exclamation in hell has a general observation, really, is it? Uh, I suppose not. Uh, how about a Semirag? That lich. He hasn't been around since they regurgitated his tomb in 4th edition, has he? Oh, no. He upgraded his tomb a couple of years back. He took the Annihilation Package when the horror subscription expired. Uh, uh, it's getting darn inconvenient. Beholders. Xanathar, last year. The one with the heist. Amalus? Saltmarsh, May 2019. <sighs> Any evil wizards around? What about that Blackcloak chap? Big Man Mega Dungeon in 2018. Elemental Lords? 2015. Bandits? Vandelva, 2014. <sighs> Ah, I suppose we have no choice then. Lunch break's over. Couldn't they just have dredged up a Cthulhu or a Death Knight or something? Nah, uh, devil's work's never done. I'm seriously considering unionising. Shall we dive into our topic of the week? Yes, yes we should. Okay, the mysterious, the... Elusive. The wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a real, wrapped in an enigma. The world of vast cravia. Vast cavia. Yeah, that's one. Uh, <laughs> is, 
So, Mike, explain to us what Kavaya is, because uh, Peter looked it up earlier and he came up with, what was it? Uh, a Hindu name meaning poem. Is, it, is that is that what Kavaya is, or is it something else? Uh, that's well, that terribly appropriate, but no, that wasn't where I started with. I just thought Kavya sounded like uh, uh, okay. appropriate to go with the word vast all the time. Like, it just so sounds not, good coming off the tongue, which, you know... So it's not about a big cave. So it's just a, so, so it's just like a, it's a made-up word, is it? Rather than a, it is. Yeah, it yeah, is a yeah, made-up yeah. word, but I'm very pleased to hear that it means poem because that, that fits. Well, now you can just tell everyone from now on that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> They'll all just think you're really educated and erudite. I'll take it. I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll be doing these, that from now these on. These people haven't met him, have they? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm being mean to Mike. You are being mean. I. You feel ashamed of yourself. You should do. Not even I mean, all the time. Isn't that the... <laughs> so, so this is a fifth edition setting, D and D fifth yes. edition setting, which you're going to be kickstarting soon. Uh, actually, we are not going to go with Kickstarter. We're going to try a game on tabletop, which is oh, like right. a, a year. Yeah. yeah, it's, the, it's, it's okay. the new kid on the block for those, isn't it? Uh, they've been around for a couple of years. I met them at um, PAX last year, and I was really impressed with all they want to do and, mm. and, and, and like, who they are. So, yeah. Vast Kavia. Uh, K- is it Kavia we're saying, or Kavia? Kavia? Kavia. Kavia. Like, you have a cavity, but you take the T out. Gotcha. And replace it with A. Vast So, vast cavity. Sorry, fast cavity. Fast cavity. Endless adventure, bitter conflict, discovery, survival, and glory. What can you tell us about vast cavia, Mike? It is kind of like my um, my love letter to Conan the Barbarian and Red Sonja, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically nice. Fire and Ice. I really, really love Ralph Bakshi, and I felt Fire and Ice was one of his best best films. Yeah. Mm. That is a good film. So yeah, I mean, I all my I have a bunch of campaigns saying this is my going to be my sixth one, and they're all pretty wild. Like Varanthia goes everywhere; it's got every genre inside of it. And then Hypercore is like in the future with superheroes, or mm. Twenty Nine Wastelands in the future, and there's been apocalypse. And um, I just wanted to do something that was, like, really classic fantasy. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so, uh, a January or so, I got the idea for it, and I wrote down, like, the main tenets of the world. And it's this decentralized setting, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, there's no world map. First of all, okay. because I don't want to tell you what your version of Vascavia looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, because Vascavia is super huge. It's, like, bigger than the biggest planet we've ever seen, which I think is 13 times the size of Jupiter. It's right. Kappa Andromeda B or something like that. Right. Uh, but like, uh, I'm not sharing it because it's, it's not a very well-made image. I need to do a better job with it. But like North America mm-hmm. on like the continent of, on the planet of Vascavia would be like, if you're looking at it and the whole planet took up your computer screen, North America would be like your thumbnail. Right. And that's how big Vascavia is. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to create this, this huge, open, boundless, that's- like massive, nobody knows like what's going on over there. Language is an actual barrier. Like, for one of the things mm. like common, right? Like mm. if you're having a conversation yeah. in common and you're talking more complexly uh, or in a more complicated fashion than like a nine-year-old would, mm. then you're yes. not speaking in common anymore. You have to share like a real mm. language with them, be it elvish or dwarvish or whatever. Okay. Um, uh, what yeah. advice do you have for GMs on how to represent speaking in different languages? Oh, just if you're if you're having a conversation you don't think a ten-year-old could manage, then you got to switch to a, a real language that is not common. Yes, yes, but how, how at the table, because um, languages is something I'm actually really keen on implementing um, in general, but I've always found it quite difficult. Like, 
online you have people who belong in polylingual groups like oh yeah yeah what we do is uh whenever we're speaking draconic we just switch over to japanese oh good lord no no i would force people to make like intelligence checks and insight checks if you start to get more complicated than that Mm. yeah yeah Mm, mm, mm. fall back on character stats okay Um, so so common um is a basic communication language but it's not like one that's massively spoken Okay. Well, and not, it's not massively spoken. It's just it's yeah. simple. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. simple language, only able to convey simple ideas. Right. Yeah. You never have a play written in common. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe like yeah. an RPG skit could be written in common, but not a play. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've got this massive, massive, massive world with tons and tons and tons of stuff going on. It does that mean it's kind of like kitchen sinky, sort of like the Forgotten Realms, in that you could have dinosaur area over here in like a uh, a whole bunch of uh, mage theocracy over here and all this sort of stuff going on. No, because so, dinosaurs are everywhere. Dinosaurs are everywhere. Okay. That, is, that is definitely accurate. And megafauna. Uh, and also magic is... So there is magic. There's no like formal magic. There are no wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. There are no like easy ritual spells. Ritual spells, I think, uh, take mm-hmm. ten times longer than they normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you do have real magic, like if you are a sorcerer or a bard or a cleric, people right. want you because the the thing that like ties it all together are the warlords mm-hmm. of which there are 20 uh, and i didn't and this wow. is another thing about vast caveat it's different from most of my campaign settings uh after mm. varanthia i started to like make my design teams much smaller because mm. oh, it yeah. was uh, super frustrating managing like 40 people mm. yeah, um, yeah. but for vast caveat i went back to a larger one so there's like nine other designers that helped make warlords and therefore regions of the world and when mm-hmm. uh somebody with real magic shows up warlords try to get them because inevitably uh, these people become warlords themselves mm. and then you know start wars and take territory and stuff so like if you are a warlord mm. and you hear like oh there's a sorcerer that's been kicking around to the east about 20 clicks uh you send people to go get that person right yeah absolutely uh, so it's recommended in the rules that like you can have more than one caster but it's gonna make you guys targets for like everybody so generally keep one and then keep their magic on the down low if you can mm. Okay, so are you? Have you revamped the class system? Uh, I have not, but I have provided an analog to casting. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, something that you'll find uh, throughout Vascavia is called raw mana. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you ever play Final Fantasy VII for the yes, PlayStation? Yeah, I did. Yeah, years ago. It's, yeah, it's, raw mana functions a lot like Materia does. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you get a piece of uh, yellow raw mana. We'll say. And that lets you cast the spell uh, Lightning Bolt maybe once a day. Mm-hmm. And then okay. whenever you level up and you've got the raw mana on you, it also levels up to like another spell or more uses of that spell. Mm. So you do get like uh, very, sl- very, very specific access to magic because that also mm-hmm. let me tailor like what magic you can get to often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a list of spells that are more expensive too, right? Uh, so like mm-hmm. create water, create food, anything that creates something. Yeah. Um, like that you would eat or use for shelter costs mm-hmm. four times as much as normal to do if the spell is even in there. It's at the GM's discretion whether or not the spell even exists. All right, okay. mm-hmm. So you can't just like conjure up food in the middle of the desert. Uh, you have to have somebody who can actually find it. So you also right, right. you also have no gods as well, which is unusual for a, a D&D world. That is correct. Uh, so there are entities, you might say, uh, but they're, they're more like the gods in Warhammer 40,000. Yeah. Right, so like oh, there, there okay. is a zinch, but like, is zinch a person or is zinch an idea that just manifests and like, it's that sort of conceptualization. Mm. Mm. Uh, they okay. call them spiritual patrons. 
So, like, if you're right, a cleric, right. you just, like, what do you believe in determines what domains you might have access to, not, you know, who do you sit down and, like, you know, genuflect. So, it's more, it's so more, the a lot more yeah. like paladins. It's more philosophies rather than Yes, entities. definitely. It's yeah. more philosophies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, how... There's primeval thought out there, isn't there, which is kind of Conan-inspired. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons this is a decentralized, because I want, like... And the other reason is, like... Um, a lot of people spend a lot of time in their homebrew worlds, right? Like, I imagine you guys have homebrew mm-hmm. worlds, right? Mm-hmm. You've been yes. developing with your, your groups and stuff. So, like, why abandon that? Like, mm-hmm. so Vascavi is, is, it can stand on its own as a campaign scene. Don't get me wrong. It definitely can. But it's mm-hmm. also kind of built to be this, like, supplemental resource that you can include in Primeval Thule or your homebrew world uh, because it's all these, like, very basic ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You don't require the rest of Vascavia to include Kalar, the psionic dinosaur lizard lord. Uh, you mm-hmm. can just have them be in a jungle in Chalt if you're playing in Galarian. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've noticed you said the world is primitive, but its peoples are not. Yes. By which I infer you mean it's got a lot of cultural sophistication, but not so much technological? Is that? You nailed it. You nailed right. it, man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are aggregarian and, and uh, that kind of developments, but technologically, like because the world is so desperate, and, or disparate, not desperate, disparate, and spread mm-hmm. out... Um, Technology mm-hmm. just isn't really a thing. You might see people with iron weapons, but that's probably yeah. the top level. Yeah, yes. Um, I think I saw on the website you mentioned that steel might as well be magical. Pretty much. Um, yeah. How are you? Are you reflecting this mechanically in some fashion? Um, uh, like there steel are weapons rules. Get bonuses or no? The 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 core fifth edition rules already have stuff for like if you're wielding a stone weapon or 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 uh, you know. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Iron and steel are effectively the same thing in D and D five E, so I haven't I haven't messed mm, with that. Mm, but yeah, mm. uh, no, the core rules have stuff covering uh, super primitive weapons. Oh, okay, right. So you could have say, so so like often bronze is considered very has been very popular. Like the search for tin has always been like a big factor in bronze civilizations. Yeah, I want to say like it's been a while since I, I actually looked at the the primitive weapons rules, but I feel like if you roll natural one, there's a chance your weapon breaks. Or your weapon just right. busts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, oh, I noticed that you said the world has over a hundred moons and mm-hmm. a lunar calendar, and the world seasons are long. So the environment seems to be playing quite an important part in uh, in your thinking about this game. Is that is that right? Yeah, I want it to be a little bit more like gritty, old school adventure, and I feel mm-hmm. like. A lot of a lot of uh, modern D and D stuff that I, I really like and enjoy and write, you know, uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. kind of hand waves that for like higher drama and action and more characterization and stuff. I want it to be like a real problem for your characters to travel a hundred miles. I don't want it to be like, oh, we cast Overland Flight or we got a magic carpet mm. or we just hired a mm. bunch of mercenaries and took a caravan. Like that's hey. boring. Like we can do better than that. Yeah. Uh, so traveling should be consist of. A- series of interesting encounters during the day and it's also quite important to the balance of 5th edition that you do have this uh, these number of encounters was it 6 6 six medium encounters per long rest or something yeah uh, I think it's, is it 6 I thought it was still 3 mm, 6 to 8 is 6 to 8 Jesus okay. yeah yeah it's a lot to fit into an adventuring day but obviously this would be a resource draining event rather than like a combat encounter because 6 to 8 fights per day of a session would be Pretty yeah, I was going to say, like, normally... Yeah. It would be pretty boring, to be honest. It used to be three encounters that each eat up 33% of your resources. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's been long observed that uh, you've got, you're supposed to have social combat and exploration, 
has the three pillars of D&D, and exploration is kind of kind of missing. Very few rules. So I was just wondering uh, what, what thoughts you'd have on that. Oh, okay. Well, the opening adventure, uh, which is in the back of the book, it mm-hmm. actually starts in this place called Raycon Village, and you've never been more than, like, 20 miles from your home. And uh, the region that travel. it... Yeah, a whole day's travel, basically. Yeah. Uh, and the whole region is, I think, about 200 miles across each way. Mm-hmm. And you have to travel, like, all the way across the map to save all the people that got, like, stolen from your village. So there's that. It opens up with that, which I feel is, a like, a really good, like, preamble for, like, this is the world. It's huge. You have no idea how big it is. It's the first time you're really, like, setting out beyond the, the North Lock to, like, see the world itself. There should be wonder. There should be, like rumors there should be like no certainty really mm. to like what you're going to encounter uh, but yeah. for exploring past that uh i have this system i developed in 29 wasteland which is also decentralized it's just like sci-fi pop. Mm-hmm. actually all of Ascavia started because people from 29 wasteland were like please give us more warlords and i just didn't have another mm. book of apocalyptic warlords in me so i made a book of primeval warlords mm. that can easily be included right yeah, yeah, The exploration rules are built off of the ones found in 29 Wasteland, and it's like, so you reach a new region, and then the GM yeah. can randomly determine, like, what the terrain is, and, yeah. like, if the terrain is passable, or if it's, like, super difficult, because, like, a lot of it's, like, you know, volcanic fields and um, acidic seas with, like, you know, nauseous vapors that can knock you out and kill you and stuff like that. Yeah, fields full of metal steel sunflowers that will turn around and petrify you, all that sort of jazz. Uh, that's a little bit more specific and dangerous than what I have, but yes, that's the, the, the generally the oh, right okay. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough, yeah. There's also a, a, a thing here where you say there's virtually no economy and people trade goods rather than currency. Does that mean you're, you've removed currency from from the game completely, or is it just? A- I've not removed it entirely, but like it's much preferred to barter because like the value of a pack or some rope is much greater mm-hmm. in a world with, where you can't just roll into a store and buy it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, gold is still there, and it'll still have a part to play, but it's much, much reduced from normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I quite like playing fighters. It's it's just something I enjoy doing. Perhaps even one day I'll get to play a paladin. You never know. So, things like chainmail, spinmail... Uh, one of those newfangled are... heroic paladins. Yes, an elven paladin, maybe. Oh, yes, and uh, yes, a high, a high elf paladin of heroism. Yes, that, <laughs> that could well be my next character, or perhaps not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like you're playing one of these like characters like that. No chain shirt, no breastplate, no half plate, no ring mail, no chain mail, no splint, no plate, no crossbows, and the GM determines what tool skits exist. That and. But I'm not trying to be critical or mean here. Have you what what sort of things have you put in to replace these class features for the martial classes? Oh, there are uh, archetypes for every single class. Uh, yes, and yes. in addition to that, I mean, like barbarians don't really need armor. Um, uh-huh. So, like, you're they just talking about armor. fighters and rogues and rangers. And I mean, I guess paladins too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, there's um, there are archetypes that all have uh, AC bonuses to cover the the gap. Um, right. Aside from that, right. though, I mean, like. The, the balancing factor there is that none of the enemy NPCs will have access to this armor. Right, so, right. I mean, like, you're really just going to be hitting disparities when you're uh, coming up against creatures that are um, very high CR. And, e- and even then, I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not but, that worried until you start hitting bonuses of, like, plus 11 or so. And, uh, and that's mm-hmm. not till what, CR 9, CR 12? So. Mm, quite, quite, quite high level. Um, so, shields are obviously going to be pretty useful yeah, because definitely. 
like, I mean, what, hide armor, 14 plus 2, so AC 16 is going to be quite quite challenging to achieve. And most stuff will have, like, simple weapons, right? So, like, you're going to see way yeah. more great clubs than you're going to see great swords, because mm. how are you going to forge mm. a great sword? Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm loving the logo here. It's reminding me a bit of Dragonlance. And uh, you've got uh, you've got a horizontal weapon there, and then you've got the the name of the setting sort of entwined around it. You've got a sword rather than a a lance, obviously, but it's just got that slight sort of uh, sort of first edition D and D feel about it. Yeah, it's very much got it's very much got that whole Conan vibe as well, with the skull as part of the hilt. Is there a skull uh, on the crosspiece? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, yeah, so into the yeah. crosspiece. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a bird it, skull. It, yeah. It's called Vascavia. It's inspired by Conan and Red Sonja. Of course there is a skull on the sword. What sort of game do you think you're playing, my friend? That's <laughs> where, where I keep all my skulls. Absolutely. It's good to hear. Uh, I do my own graphics, and sometimes I get a lot of really? uh, a lot of, a lot of graph for that. So, no, thank you very much. It's a well-received compliment. Thank you. Mm. What's, and what's this monster here with the single eye? Uh, like a large like wolf-like creature with a yeah, single... sort of a cyclops wolf. Hmm. It's a, a devastation dog. So, like, there are uh, oh. twelve creatures included in the book because there's a, there's a bestiary chapter two, which I think has a total of thirty oh. creatures. Twelve of them oh. are devastation creatures, where you might not immediately recognize oh. uh, devastation dog. Maybe you will because the eye. Hmm. Uh, but they're like meant to be um, <clears throat> surprises. So, like, you you look, oh. you're like, oh, it's a, you know, it's the wolf or whatever. It's running around the underbrush. And if you make your perception check, you see that it's more than a regular wolf uh, before it, like, obviously starts, you know, howling, howling death and other terrible stuff that a regular dog could never do. Devastating. Mm. Exactly, exactly. So, like, there's a devastation cockatrice, there's a devastation hydra, there's a devastation griffin, hippogriff, uh, ooze, and they all, like, look like what adventurers would expect, Mm. uh, and then behave and, and display abilities that hopefully surprise and terrify and excite players and you have an alasaur of some description which i call quite oh kalar the lizard lord talk about kalar so he's one of the warlords um so he's in sickle canyon he's the top dog of sickle well top dinosaur of sickle canyon Mm. uh it is a bunch of different psychic dinosaurs that like got their uh power via like the many many moons Mm. shining light through Mm. like a a series of waterfalls that they drank the water from, and then, like, boom, they're intelligent. They got psychic powers. They're also where the Tino Car are thought to have come from, the Tino Car being a race of Saurians, uh, dinosaur folk. There is nothing worse than a dinosaur with psychic powers, I've got to say. Kalar's pretty that terrifying. That would ruin your day. It's going to be a big problem. Hmm. He's right not now. the biggest warlord in there. Uh, the biggest warlord in there is the only person with a castle, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, his name is Verasul, the Necrolord. He keeps oh. um, like a circle, like just a giant mound of skeletons around. Mm-hmm. And then whenever he wants to move his castle, he makes them pick it up and just kind of like march forward, which I feel is like right there. Ralph Bakshi, Fire and Ice, I can see that like on the screen. Fire and Ice, that's not what happens. It's about a glacier being moved. But like it's the, the, the hey. imagery that I want mm-hmm. for Vascavia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else, what else can you tell us about this world? What, well, it's, coming, it's coming to crowdfunding very soon. When, when should we expect to see yeah. it appear? October 8th, October um, 8th. and there will be a free primer that is at least 39 pages long. Oh. I keep reluctantly adding content to it because 
I just finished it. I really like it. I want to see how it looks on the page. And I'm like, oh, that looks so good. I have to show that to people. So the free primer will include Kalar the Lizard Lord, mm-hmm. like the full entry, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, oh, and um, I didn't choose exactly what went the primer. I kind of threw it up to the design team and I was like, let's all vote. So um, Kalar is one of mine that got voted in. I was very pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The other one is something I was actually jealous about because it's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. So it's called um, Togai the Awakened Reef. Mm-hmm. And it's this hive mind made out of coral reef. Like influences the the villagers that live on its islands around it, and uh, or that it surrounds rather. And then every year the the coast like the seasons change and like hurricanes come in and they destroy the coral reef. Everybody goes shitballs insane because like the hive mind goes insane, Mm-mm-mm. and they turn into like murderous savages until Whoa. the reef like collects itself again, mm. and it gets a little bit smarter and a little bit more powerful and a little bit stronger every single time. Um, yeah, it's a really strong concept by, I think, uh, Matteo Piovanelli. Pia, I don't say his wrong name wrong. Um, yeah, Matteo Piovanelli, mm. uh, mm-hmm. I believe is in Italy. Because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a global team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's in the primer. Um, there are a couple of the, the global rules are in the primer. Like, the world's massive, it's primitive, it has no gods, uh, spiritual patrons, no formal magic, and uh, the, the whole little magic thing. So there's a brief one-page explanation of six of those rules. Mm. And then Kalar and Kalar and Damash both have their own like um, layer maps or, or regional maps, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Then the bestiary right now has a barbarian thief, uh, which is right. you know Conan, right? Mm, uh, then uh, Dunia, which actually comes out of one of the warlords, um, this uh, written by um, Charlene Gilchrist. I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it right. Shireen, Shireen Gilchrist. Um, yeah. And the Dunia is like it, it. It looks like a like a grassy hill when it lays down. It's even got like plants on its back. Uh, but it is a sort of like armadillo kind of thing. Uh, nature guardians, which are terrifying elementals that are CR twelve. Um, mm-hmm. The Pachucoli, which are like alpha predators in the right. vein of um, uh, what are they called? Death claws in Fallout. So it's kind of oh. like a like so a they're primordial. Really dangerous. They're su- they're CR fourteen baddies. Yeah, they're terrifying. Damn, um, that's not a big problem. Then the and I might rename this again the Plumetusaur. Well, I might just call it Droposaurus, but it's a drop dinosaur. Uh, so it's like uh, a dinosaur that specifically <laughs> drops out of the, the branches of uh, jungle trees. <laughs> and then the Devastation Cockatrice and Hydra are the Devastation Creatures in the Primer. The Tynocar race entry is in the Primer, as is the Mongrel Folk uh, race entry. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the class archetypes, the Hivemind Warlock Patron, uh, which mm-hmm. is based off of uh, the Nash there. And then mm-hmm. uh, the new Ability Score, which is Mana, and mm-hmm. uh, then Character Sheets. Mana is kind of so. I, I have in each of my my campaign settings. There's a uh, thematic ability scores, which is uh, mm-hmm. like a way to say like a, a narrative heavy ability score. This one's mana because the world has all this primordial match going around. So whenever you make a character, you're like, okay, my character aligns most with one of these six elements: air, earth, water, fire, good, evil. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you think there's a situation <clears throat> that you want an extra help with or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and depending on how close your element is and like what you want it to do, you make a check and on a success, mm-hmm. uh, something narrative happens and falls your way. So like the example in here right. is um, uh, somebody so, with the... Mm, go ahead. So you bring quite a storytelling element to the base rules. Uh, to, that, that's something of your own that you're adding in. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. It's a little, it's mm. a little bit of a bullshitty element too. Like, cause I, I enjoy that. Mm. That's kind of one of the reasons we're all sitting there doing stuff. Oh, of course, um, yeah, you've got to tell the story, yeah, it's like, but it's nice to have the mechanics support what you're actually trying to do, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so you've got, like, your uh, plenty, 
plenty of different societies for people to use as resources or actually run in the game itself. So this is essentially what you're trying to do with uh, Vast Kavaya, have like a resource book almost where people can oh, yeah. like use it and bring it into stuff uh, with all these different uh, monsters and so forth. 20 warlords, 21 different regions slash areas, mm. and over 100 stat blocks all told. That's a, that's a lot of stat blocks. Mm. Okay, yes. great stuff. One of the things that will be interesting to players is have you got any new player-created races or, or races for players to do? Oh yeah, so there's um, <laughs> Mongrel Folk and Tynokar, the dinosaur folk like I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, then there's also uh, the Kanka, which are uh, insects, and they get very different mm. on their sub-races. Um, nice. I, I had noticed um, almost at the bottom of the page there is a gecko with bat ears, a Tina Turner fright wig. That's a mongrel folk. It's a mongrel folk. Right. I see. So that's why they have a brightly coloured wing. Oh, right. There we leg, go. Okay. A, a, what's it? A fawn's They leg, used to be called mongrel leg? men in, in older D&D editions, but that's, right. you know, obviously sexist for, like, no good reason. So, yeah, they're mongrel of folk. Course. Mongrel folk. Mm. <laughs> right, right. So the problem with Mongol men was the men part of it. I yeah, because, right. like, yeah. it's so ridiculous. <laughs> you can be all these different freaking animals, but you're still a dude. Like, come on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so there's also uh, plant people called Alai. Uh, my favorites, mm-hmm. which are spirit parasites called Utini. So, like, when, when you get your second death save and you fail it. Uh, you yep. can, instead of staying in the body, kind of change into like a psionic cloud form a la vampires. What are they called? And then oh, if you. Okay. Otuni. Oh, Otuni, oh. I'm sorry. Oh. I was just okay. thinking, and, um, you know, that the Jawas say in Star Wars and they go, Wootini! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. <laughs> and so we're going to have all this exciting stuff hitting which uh, crowdfunding platform? Game on tabletop. Which might be new Game to a lot of people on. because I've never used it before. Yeah. I know, I know Paizo oh. did used it recently and that was the first i'd ever heard and then of it. like all of the torg the recent torg games all use game on tabletop mm, right so i'm kind of okay. hoping that there will already be a base of people who are down for this kind of like primordial and that's uh 8th of october that's um that's your that's your date you've committed to yep till i think november 3rd now all, all right. you're going to do now peter is remember all that for when it appears <laughs> and guess the kickstarter Yes, and what it's called. <laughs> also, I mean, people who are interested, you can go to vastcavia.com, uh, V-A-S-T-K-A-V-I-Y-A, and uh, there's a mailing list you can join, and I will send you the primer early, and then you'll get notified as soon as it launches, because Morris, Tommy, that mailing lists are amazing. They are extremely so. important when you're setting up a Kickstarter, yeah. yeah. And this is coming through Legendary Games, too. They're going to be my publisher mm. for this one. Uh, oh, and I should mention that we're only looking for 2500 mm-hmm. so it's not like we're nice. asking for a million dollars. And uh, you can get it in hardcover or softcover or PDF. And then there's also, like, uh, if you want to get, like, virtual tabletop maps, uh, mm-hmm. there's a pack of, like, 23, I think it mm-hmm. is. And then there's a GM screen as well and a, um adventurer's handbook. So how much of this oh, is so- done so far? Yes. That was, that was going to be my question. Oh, I got there first, the so now model. it's my question. You did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'd say 95% of the book is written. Like, all the short stories done. All the race, except for the ones I mentioned, are done. All the warlords are done. All the classes are done. All the... Yeah. Cool. So what's your your estimated delivery? I have it as June 2020, but my personal, like, internal deadline is more like February. 
I just have it as June because, like, what if we hit a bunch of, like, uh, unlocks, stretch goals and stuff, and, like, content gets added Mm. to the book and and so on and so forth. Mm. So I want to give myself a good, long uh, window to make sure that I don't miss it. Ah, Good good luck with it. So, Mike, thanks for coming on. Good luck with the Kickstarter. Not the Kickstarter, the Game on Tabletop crowdfunding campaign. Yes. Thank you. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll mention it on October the 8th when it launches. Uh Uh, And with that, I think it's time to sign off. Okay. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Mike. Best of luck with your crowdfunding project, and hope to hear from you again soon. Yeah, thanks again for having me on, and and, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys are great. This was fun. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.